day. Thank you that we can all be here together, that we all got here safe, and that we can worship freely. In the- I pray that you will please work in the hearts of everyone here, and please speak to them in the ways that they need to be spoken to. Uh, I thank you for your love, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with us.
Good morning. I was here a little bit early this morning to get ready to host, and um, I was ha I'm happy to announce that no one uh, showed up too early here this morning, so you guys all showed up on time. Fantastic. Uh, my name is Kunar Bugelink, and I'm going to be your host this morning. Um, if you are uh, ages three to five or in grades one to five, could you please come on down here just onto the steps here, and we're just going to pray a blessing over you as you head into Kids Church and Little Lights this morning. And teachers and parents, if you want to come down as well as you're helping your kids uh, head down to Little Lights or Kids Church, you're welcome to come on here as well. There is some space here between the table and the steps. Come on down, and we just want to pray a blessing over you this morning. All these amazing kids. They are a blessing. I just want to um, point out little hope here this morning. Uh, was rocking some amazing dance moves during worship this morning, and I want to talk to her later about the feet movement she was making. So we can learn a lot from these kids as they worship and glorify the Lord together. And uh, this morning, you kids get to go down to Little Lights in Kids Church, and we're just going to pray a blessing over you and your leaders. 
right now. So congregation, you're welcome to just extend a hand of blessing to these amazing kids. Lord, thank you for this amazing blessing, these children in our lives, in our families' lives, in our communities' lives. Lord, they are a blessing from you. Thank you, Lord, that this morning they get to be a blessing to one another in community and in Little Lights and in Kids Church downstairs. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just uh, meet them and engage them with truths about who you are and about who we are through your word. Thank you, Lord, for the leaders and the volunteers here this morning. Would you give them everything that they stand in need of, Lord? We are reminded of your faithfulness through our children in our community. Lord, they are not just the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. Thank you, Lord, that we get to um, minister to them. That that's part of our call as Christian community around these children. And thank you, Lord, that we get to live that out in this way this morning. You are awesome, Lord. Just bless these kids. In your name we pray. And everybody together said? Amen. Amen. All right. Little lights. You get to go through that door right there. That's ages three to five. And if you're in grades one to five, you can head out this door as well. Have a great morning. All right. Um, we are happy that you're here with us this morning. If you are a guest this morning, we want to thank you for uh, joining us this morning. And we want to get to know you a little more. So there is a connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. We just ask that you just fill that out with some basic information and then you can take it to the info booth uh, in the lobby there. And then we have a small gift for you uh, as well. If you are joining us online this morning, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. It would be great if you could just um, pop a comment in the comment below. Just let us know who you're watching with um, and then we can connect with you uh, that way uh, as well. Announcements. New Life Connects is starting up again uh, November 26th for three consecutive weeks. Uh, this is a class that is going to follow the Sunday service from 12 to 2 p.m. Lunch is provided. Uh, these are casual classes with Pastor Sean for those who are interested in baptism, profession of faith, uh, becoming a member at New Life Church, or just, um, just reviewing what the church is uh, about. And if you're interested in um, this uh, New Life Connects class, please contact the office if you're interested in joining. Uh, we have a couple of things that are going on after church today that are really exciting. First, um, Christmas Day Choir. That's not happening. We're having a meeting because we're going to have a Christmas Day choir on Christmas Day, and so there's a meeting that's going to happen uh, downstairs in room 106 after the service. So if you're interested in singing in the Christmas Day choir, uh, please come on down for that just immediately after the service in room 106. It's really important for you to know that all ages and all levels of singing are welcome. I'm living proof of this because I was in the last Christmas choir, and I was hesitant because I really only sing in the shower where there's no one else to hear me. Um, but I thought I, I could do this. And so it actually was successful because you didn't hear me. You heard probably the Ron Franzes and the Peter Vandermeulens instead of me. So that's the beauty of being in a choir. You kind of get sandwiched in and there's other voices that kind of lift yours. I heard a rumor today that, that Russ Apperloo is considering, <laughs> considering joining uh, the Christmas choir. So I think he would look good in a robe. He should be there. So please consider it and come on uh, to just check it out and have a short meeting this after, after the service uh, this morning. Seniors lunch. There's a seniors lunch today happening in room 303 following the service. Everyone is welcome to attend. 
especially those who are 65 and older. So this morning as you walked in, you saw this, this um, series of tables here, and you're maybe wondering what this is about, and it's, I'm really excited to be able to announce this. This is the At Your Table Potluck. We're in, of course, a sermon series called At the Table, and we seek to be a, live out the reality that, that hospitality is a big part of um, the gospel, and we want to live into this in a really um, awesome way. We get to put this in action on Sunday, November the 19th at 12.30. We would like you to either be a host or a guest at a potluck. So everyone will be responsible to contribute a, uh, to the meal, whether you're a host or you're a guest. And the goal is to have 10, 20, 30 potlucks happening all at the same time in Abbotsford, Chilliwack, Mission, etc. So we need guests to fill these homes. Uh, in front of me here on these tables, uh, you will see um, a plate. On each plate, there is a home, a host home listed, and below that is a sign-up sheet. So right here, you see here, this is um, Dave and Telia Sherman in East Abbotsford, and uh, they can take, let's see, where does it say on here? Three people. So uh, you can sign your name here, your name, your email, and the total people that are attending. Um, there is large groups, small groups, and so we want you to sign up um, for that. So for example, um, I would write Coonrad Bugling, I would write my email there, and then I would write seven, because our family is a family of seven. So we would go there. So we would not sign up for uh, Dave and Talia's uh, home, because we have more than what they can take. Um, so we wouldn't sign up for a home that can only take two, or six, although the six, you know, sometimes during the week there's that kid in your family that's like super annoying and you want to like hold something over them so that you, your behavior, so, you know, I might actually sign up for a six because we probably would keep one kid at home. Just kidding. You can do the math. Take a look at the guest um, list there to make sure you're bringing, the kids are all wondering who that might be <laughs> that week. They know. Uh, all right. <laughs> Hosts, uh, we already, thankfully, we have a lot of hosts, but um, we do need still some more hosts. If you're willing to host a potluck, please uh, go and sign up using one of these name cards. You'll see these ones here are blank and they're just flat. So if you want to host, just put your name down, uh, the location, and the maximum number of people that you can have uh, hosting at your place and just fill in that information. Really important to note that these potlucks are all happening at the same time on November 19th at 12.30. This is like, maybe you're thinking to yourself, oh, maybe I'll take a look at the times and see if I can hit one up at 12.30, one at 2.30, and then maybe one at 5.30. I was thinking that too myself, but it's all happening at 12.30, okay? So you can't sign up to be a host and a guest at the same time because you need to be in one place, all right? So uh, just keep that in mind, and it's going to be really exciting. So I'm really looking forward to this. Are you all looking forward to this? This is going to be fantastic, yes. All right, we have an offering that we're going to take this morning, and the offering today is for New Life Ministries, and so you can give your offering electronically on the ways listed on the screen, or during our fellowship time, three-minute fellowship time, you can bring your offering to uh, the offering boxes that are here and also at the top as well. So let's come together and pray for the offering and for this morning. Lord, I thank you for this community the work that you do through 
this community and through the ministries here at New Life Church. Lord, we thank you for all of the many ministries that take place. Lord, we saw evidence of our children's ministry this morning and the blessing that they are. And there are many ministries that happen inside of this building, but Lord, every person here is an extension of the ministry and the call of New Life Church in all the places that you bring us uh, into. Lord, you are transforming lives uh, through the ministry of New Life. Would you just bless this offering that we're taking this morning. We thank you, Lord, for uh, your faithfulness, which is seen in the children um, that were here this morning that are downstairs in Little Lights, that is seen in uh, the bountiful harvest that we experience at this time of year. Lord, in your faithfulness through um, just the giving of um, and the sharing of gifts through the Hope for Cora auction and the ACS auction yesterday, just a reminder, Lord, that you are faithful and you are blessing us in so many ways, uh, even in a difficult time um, economically. Lord, evidence of your faithfulness again. We thank you, Lord, um, for being a sovereign God, even in the midst of difficult things in this world, where there is brokenness, war, where there is injustice. And Lord, sometimes when we are thinking about those things, it can bring us into a place of anxiety and fear. So I pray, Lord, that you would just reveal your sovereign will. I pray, Lord, that you would bring comfort, peace, mercy, and justice in the areas of our human brokenness. I thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign, that this is your world. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to know, too, how to be agents of the gospel and the good news in the places that you would have us go. Thank you, Lord, for this community. You are uh, an amazing God. Thank you for the ways that you bless us. In your name we pray. And everybody together said, amen. It is now time for our three-minute fellowship. During this time, uh, we encourage you to meet someone new or someone that you haven't. So that might mean moving from that section there and saying hi to someone there or vice versa or coming down here. Uh, there's coffee uh, in the back as well. You can give your offering uh, during this time. You can bring it to the front here. And if you need an icebreaker question, here's a good one this morning. You can ask your neighbor, would you rather be a guest or a host at the potluck? Thank you so much for having me this morning, and have a great morning.
All right, New Life Church, it's uh, time to get a coffee, back to your seat, and then uh, we're going to begin shortly. Good morning, New Life Church. Maybe I should try it again. Good morning, New Life Church. I'm excited today, not just because I'm preaching, but I'm excited over the last six days already because some of you know my, our, my youngest son, Caleb, who uh, used to be a worship leader here in this church before she before he went to uh, Trinity Western for study and then moved on to a different church, uh, he and Michelle had a baby girl on the 31st of October. So, Some are excited for me. Well, it's not everyone, but I get it. I get it. <laughs> but that's not going to stop me from being excited about having grand becoming grandparents one more time, right? Isn't it? Today is the fifth sermon in this series, At the Table. And the setting involves uh, Jesus having a meal or invited to a meal by a prominent Pharisee. And I've entitled today's sermon, Are You Coming to the Dinner? Are You Coming to the Dinner? Turn with me to Luke chapter 14, and I'll be reading from verse 1 to 24. Luke 14, verses 1 to 24, and I'm reading from the NIV version. 
On Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from dropsy. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, if any one of you has a son or an ox, that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, Give this man your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move out to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of your fellow guests. For everyone who exalts himself, will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I'm sure the host coming on the 19th will not be practicing this about making you move your seats because you are less honorable or any kind of sort. <laughs> then Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbors. And if you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will re be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Verse 15, when one of those at a table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent out his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five, five yoke of oxen, and I am on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I've just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered the servant, go out quickly into the streets, the alleys of the towns, and bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads, the mountain lanes, and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we are living in the days in a world, in an environment where every single day we read, we hear, we witness all kinds of troubles. Sometimes they were just natural disasters 
but quite often man-made. We are mindful of the people who are suffering right now uh, in the war that is ongoing in Ukraine and in more recent time, the war that is going on in the land of Israel, in Gaza strips between Hamas and, and Israel. Lord, we lift up the many innocent families that have been caught in these walls. Lord, may your sovereignty, your mercy be on this land, both in Ukraine and in Israel. Your mercy be upon each person. Lord, we pray for a peaceful settlement that will come soon enough. And pray that less lives and innocent lives will be lost in the process. This morning, as we turn our attention, our focus to your word, we are thankful for the time of worship, the time of singing praises, prayer, giving of offering, fellowshipping. And now we ask that you give us attentiveness. Open the, our eyes, not just our physical eyes, but the eyes of our heart, that we may be receptive to the hearing, understanding, and teaching of your word. Remove from us any sin and iniquity. Let nothing hinder us from drawing closer to you. And now, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all our hearts, be acceptable to you, O God, our strength and our Redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen. I come from a very big family. I have three brothers and six sisters. And so together with my parents... There were 12 of us. So you can imagine that we literally can form a soccer team with my mom as the coach and, 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 and the manager at the same time. You can imagine the amount of noise we would have made or we could make or we have made whenever there is a family gathering. Three of my older sisters love talking to each other. However, if you're an outsider listening to them, you probably would be lost. The first sister would then start speaking about her daughter having dating a boy. And then she called and went on for a few minutes and she paused. And the second sister come in and start talking about her son who just, you know, got a new job. And just as she go on and on, and then she paused again, the third sister jumped in now and started a totally different topic altogether, talking about her husband, who is not happy with, her, with his present uh, job and career. And then when she took a pause, the first sister jumped in now and went back to the top, very topic, talking about her daughter. And she, she went in for a few minutes, took a deep breath, the second sister jumped in now and continued with a conversation about her son. And then he go on with the third one and come... You got the idea? <laughs> Three sisters having very intense conversation that can go for an hour, each with a different thread of conversation. <laughs> At the end of the hour, they are very satisfied. They, they had a wonderful time talking to each other. <laughs> I'm not even sure if they were listening to each other. So when my wife was first introduced to the family, she was lost. <laughs> and she chuckled even to today whenever I relate those incidents about the conversation among my sisters. It's not one time, but this goes on. 
And by your laughter, I can see that it happens too, not just in the Chinese family, in the Dutch family, I suppose, too. <laughs> or German, or whatever heritage you come from. In today's passage, in Luke 14, there are three distinctively different segments that is contained in this narrative of 24 verses. They seem unrelated to one another. Though all happen in the dinner table hosted by a prominent Pharisee. There were three segments of topics altogether, somewhat unrelated. The passage begins with a meal hosted by this Pharisee, and out of a sudden there was a healing of a man who was suffering from dropsy. And then Jesus began to teach about humility. And then in the midst of a dinner, someone then raised a question about blessing. And then Jesus spoke about who will eventually receive and invite to the banquet table. Perhaps all three segments or events in this passage seem unrelated. But yet our Lord Jesus never failed to use an opportunity to link them together and begin his teaching discourse on various topics and themes. And in this case, he dealt on two very important matters. Jesus wanted his audience to know what behavior would be acceptable by God. Genuine humility that brings honor and worth to one's character rather than shame. In a later part of the passage, Jesus concluded with a warning of to those who think that their heritage would automatically qualify themselves a seat or place in the banquet table. So let's get on now to the divisions of uh, this passage. The first division, verses 1 to 6, healing on the Sabbath. And then verses four, 7 to 14, a humility lesson. And the third one, 15 to 24, house must be full. So let's get on. Healing on the Sabbath. Verse 1, home of a prominent Pharisee. Unlike the other dinner invites, this time the dinner took place on the Sabbath, which in the Jewish calendar or Jewish uh, uh, way of interpretation, Sabbath begins on sundown Friday until sundown on to Saturday. Religious Jews have rigid rules on Sabbath as well as all Jewish religious holidays on what you can do and you can't do. So the key point to note here is this. The last part of the verse, it says, he, meaning Jesus, was carefully, was being carefully watched. Why was Jesus being carefully watched? Well, he wanted, probably the Pharisee, this prominent Pharisee, wanted to trap Jesus because it's a Sabbath dinner. He wanted to see if Jesus would break a Jewish law. Verse 2 to 4, handling distraction. Something strange happened. There was at the dinner table a man suffering from dropsy. Now, wait a minute. Why would a sick person, a man suffering dropsy, appear at the dinner of this prominent Pharisee. 
Perhaps this was probably a setup by the Pharisee to see Jesus, if Jesus would heal this man on the Sabbath. Knowing what they were thinking, which Jesus did all the time, he knows what we are thinking as well, he asked those around him if it was lawful to heal on a Sabbath. When they were silent, he just took the hand of this sick person, healed him, and sent him away. Now, imagine you were at a dinner invited by a friend. And suddenly this incident happened. It's kind of a distraction. You may be a medical doctor and someone's sick suddenly show up and there and dinner and say wanting to, 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 for help. It's kind of a misfit, isn't it? Jesus could have said to this sick man, come tomorrow and see me in my clinic. Or perhaps go and call up my secretary and, and arrange an appointment to see if I've got a time slot for you. No. Jesus didn't see that as a distraction. In fact, he turned it around. He turned that into an opportunity to teach those religious people around him a precious lesson on how to deal with legalistic rules that governed them, prevented them from doing things on a religious holiday. Have you been distracted by some man-made rules? that prevent you from doing things and doing the right things even on the Sabbath. Verse 4 tells us that the religious leaders were silent. They were silent because they knew that Jesus did the right thing. Even though the act of healing was considered by Jewish law as work and therefore not permissible by Jewish law. Jesus demonstrated his action, the act of healing, that he was actually showing love and compassion to a sick person who needed help at the very moment, even though it was Sabbath. In other words, Jesus was saying or demonstrating to the people that even though it was a religious holiday or Sabbath, a, a, a holy day that would keep as with no work whatsoever, you still can show love and compassion, which is what he did. Verse 5 and 6, hypocrisy exposed. The religious leader wanted to follow their religious rules to the letter without showing any compassion. Compassion it was the very essence on how and why the law was given to Moses. Without love and compassion, the law by itself meant nothing. The illustration that Jesus used was whether or not the Pharisee would do nothing if his son or ox would fall into a well on the Sabbath day. Or would they take, that, take him out of it? The issue here is not about healing. It's about showing compassion and mercy. By healing the man from dropsy, Jesus showed mercy and compassion. To that, the Pharisee and all the religious leaders around that evening had no answer. He, their hypocrisy was exposed by Jesus. I recall an incident 
many years ago happened on the first year when we, my family moved and lived in Israel. I took the family to Elat, which is the southernmost part of Israel, a, a holiday resort town, uh, for a couple of days of holidays. And it was Friday evening, just about the commencement of Sabbath. I was walking back to my hotel room, and a religious, a Jewish religious woman came to me. She had two young kids with her. She could not speak English. But by her hand gesture, I understood that she wanted me to go and turn on the light in her hotel room. Now, what happened is that in the Jewish law, turning on the light is considered as work. So if you go to a hotel in Jerusalem and most part of many parts of Israel, the hotel has a timer. You can request for a Sabbath hotel room where the timer set by itself on the Friday evening and turn on the light on its own without you having to touch the light switch. But because we're in Elad, which is a holiday place, a lot of non-religious people there, a lot of Gentiles, a lot of tourists, so there was no such a thing. So she went, she missed the time before sundown, and the room was dark, so she wanted me to go and turn on the light here. Two things that are really wrong here. One, a religious Jewish woman can never speak to a Gentile man like me. Oh, you know, you are Gentile. No, I can't. But because she had two little kids with her, she was desperate. She broke that closely held Jewish law and asked and spoke with me to do that. Not literally speaking, but gesturing to me. And the second thing is this. While switching on the light is, an, is work and therefore constitutes sin, she cannot commit that. But she can get a Gentile man to sin on her behalf. <laughs> you know what I'm saying here? That when you follow the law to the letter, you lose your sense of logic and understanding what the law is all about. You, you come up with, you see, when I just related to this incident, without explaining, you will laugh about it. Is it, sense, is it illogical? Is it senseless? Is it silly? She can't even touch the light switch. But she asked me, do we do it on her behalf? That's the kind of hypocrisy. That's, I just simply was baffled. But it is hypocrisy at its highest order. So by blindly and rigidly following a religious rule, cause one to lose his sense or her sense of logic and understanding. Jesus in our passage today healed the man with dropsy and in the process exposed the hypocrisy of the religious leaders of the day. Rules are meant to direct us in our life and add value and meaning to the things we do. So we are, I'm not against rules, and we shouldn't be against rules. The society, the country can be orderly run because there are good rules around. They are there to enhance our lifestyle. They make us follow a certain way of doing things, be considerate to one another, add value and meaning to our life, but blindly and rigidly following the letter of the law or rule would cause us to be illogical, lacking in love and compassion for those who are around us. Let's get on to our second division, humility lesson. 
Verse 7 to 9, self-exaltation leads to humiliation. After exposing the hypocrisy of these Jewish leaders, Jesus moved on to teach a lesson on humility. Our society today places a person's worth and status based on methods such as profession, economic well-being, and life achievements. So one tends to mingle with people of similar social standing and status. Now, Jesus does not expect us to forego such friendship. Jesus is not against us mingling around people who are of similar kind of social standing and status. But what Jesus wants us to know is to caution us against social snobbery. True humility is not to exalt oneself and only think of one's own gain. God honors people who have friends in both ends of the social ladder. Jesus is not asking us to forego the friends that we have now, but he says, beside what you have, it is natural because you are doctors, you have a lot of doctor friends, you are engineers, you mix around with your neighborhood, you're, you're, you belong to that kind of social class and standard. That's okay. But he wants us to move further and go beyond so that you will also mingle with people who perhaps are less fortunate, less well-off than you and I. God honors people who have friends in both ends of the social ladder. Self-exaltation can only lead to humiliation. Next, verse 10 to 11, seats of honor for those who are humble. The point of emphasis here is that God will exalt those who are truly humble. God is not looking for people who blow their trumpets, seeking attention of all other people all the time, and disregarding the interests of those who are around us. Jesus says such actions and attitude will bring shame and dishonor to ourselves. God will exalt those who humble themselves. Verse 12 to 14, serve those who cannot repay kindness. Besides dealing with people who are connected or who are concerned with what seat at the dinner table to be, at the banquet, where do I sit? Now, Jesus deals with another issue. Who do you seek to invite to the banquet? And here he gives us three simple principles to consider when deciding who to invite. First, hosting friends and relatives is something expected of us. Verse 12. Not that we should never invite our friends and relatives to dinner. That's not possible. Rather, Jesus' point is that we, if we only consider our invite to our close friends and relatives, that, that is something that is not special, nothing commendable, commendable. It is also something expected of us anyway. Also, there is a subtle thing here about inviting close friends and relatives. And that is, we expect to be receiving reciprocal invite from them. So this is not what Jesus wants us to do. Our next point is hospitality is best demonstrated 
when it's not exchanged. In others, when I invite you, you do not necessarily have to invite me again. I'm inviting people who may not even able to do so, whether financially, whether they are uh, uh, in other, whatever reasons they have. So we are looking to invite people who doesn't need or who could not reciprocate those invites. And so here the point is, hospitality is not exchanged. It is best demonstrated when it's not exchanged. Jesus wants us to expand our horizon of our invitation. And here he used the illustration, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. In other words, not literally the people who are blind, of which I included, but people who are less fortunate than us. People who can't repay our kindness. Hospitality is best demonstrated when it is not exchanged. After my last sermon on October 9th, uh, 15, on practice hospitality, one of the brothers came to me and shared with me that New Life had this event of having people to host dinners where they did not know who were coming to the dinner. But unfortunately, this was some years back. I didn't know about that at all because that must be really many years back. And that practice has discontinued. So when I read that we are going to have a kind of a hosting of, of a dinner or lunch in this case on November 19, reviving this, and already 20 people have signed up, 20 hosts have signed up and waiting for people to come. And I need to mention this, all right? When you sign up to come, the hosts are already there. If you are coming to sign up to one of the hosts' dinner, please, please, please don't sign up somebody you know, like your small group leader or whatever kind of thing. No, that's not the point. Sign up to on a host whom you have not met or who do not know personally. So that's the idea for you to get to know new people. You know what I'm saying? Say, all right, that you try, you will sign up on places that you don't know the host. And hopefully, you do also do not know the people who are coming. So, unfortunately, in two days, my wife and I are going on a long trip overseas, and so we won't be here on November 19. I was telling, uh, sharing with Janessa, telling with Taylor that I hope that this will not be a once-off. Maybe we can do it on a quarterly basis, whatever, kind of having this hospitality, lunch or dinners, and where people uh, sometimes don't even have to worry. Some people who want to go to this dinner and couldn't afford to bring a dish because it's a potluck, just have to show up without bringing a dish. We want to show hospitality to one another. So do support this event. Remember, hospitality is best demonstrated when it's not exchanged. Honor will come at resurrection, verse 14. Even though we do not expect any return from serving those uh, 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 who cannot repay our kindness, Jesus here says, you will be repaid at our resurrection. Wow, I like that. Because the repayment that we receive here on earth are only temporary. But if God's going to repay us in the heavenly realm, that's precious. That is eternal. Let's go on our third division, house must be full, verses 15 to 24. First, verse 15, assumption of blessing is not true. Now, in this segment, Jesus addresses a far more important and serious matter concerning who will be allowed 
to the final banquet table. Jesus told this parable as a response to one of the dinner guests who said in verse 15, Blessed is the man who will eat in the feast in the kingdom of God. Remember, this is said by a Jewish, a, a religious Jewish leader. The assumption here is that even with all the differences and understanding and practice of scriptures, we will all be at the final banquet when God re-exerts his control once again. Jesus told this parable to challenge this assumption. The re religious Jews has assumed that because they are God's chosen people, their place in the final banquet is guaranteed. Jesus, by telling this parable, overturned that assumption. The Jews were the first people whom God had invited to the banquet table. But if at the time of the banquet, they declined their invite, just like the three people mentioned in the parable, each giving somewhat legitimate excuses, bought a land, bought some oxen, just got married, and they could not be coming to attend the banquet. Jesus says their places at the banquet will be taken over by others. The point that Jesus was making is this. Do not assume that the place at the banquet table is guaranteed. If you choose to back up of the dinner invite, your place will be taken over by somebody else. Blessing or salvation cannot be passed on from one generation to the next. Those who assume they are in line for such blessing run the risk of not making to the table at all. This is a serious warning. Next, verse 16 to 21, accepted host invite but back out of the banquet. Each person, after receiving the invite, must make an intentional decision to attend the banquet. So the acceptance of the, the, the banquet, acceptance of the invite is only the first step. But you must actually attend the banquet to complete the whole cycle. Any reason or excuses for backing out, no matter how legitimate they were, they are, will mean that their places at the banquet will be taken over by other invitees. As in the parable, when the first group of people have backed out of the dinner invite, others will be invited in their place. Gentiles like us, for at least most of us, as I know, form the second group of people who are given the invitation to the same banquet. But the same principle, the same rule applies, which is that we have to not only accept the invitation, but they attend the banquet as well. Just as the Jewish people cannot claim their places at the banquet by their heritage, we as Christians cannot guarantee places at the banquet for our subsequent generations. Just because you are born in a Christian family does not secure you a place at the banquet. All of us, young and old, must make an intention, intentional decision to accept the invite as well as to attend the banquet, the final banquet. There is no other way. Jesus says in Matthew 6.23, but seek ye first the kingdom 
and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Do not fall prey to any kind of excuses when they may appear even legitimate. Jesus demands that as His followers, that we put Him first place in our life. Jesus either first place or no place. There's no other way. Sometimes you say, well, my company, this time in my life, when I'm just having a family, my family comes first. No, no. Or am I pick on my career, my career comes first. No, no. It's Jesus is a first place or no place in our lives. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things. What are all these things? Families, career, ministry, friendship. All these things will be added unto us. We must make the decision from the time of accepting the invite by Jesus. And thereafter, all the way faithfully, faithfully follow Him. And finally, attending the banquet on the very last day. Verse 22 to 24, all people are invited. Why? Verse 23, verse uh, uh, 23b, the second part of verse 23 says, Jesus said that my house may be filled. Kingdom tables must be filled. The invite to dinner is extended to all the people. The banquet will not be cancelled just because some who refused to attend. If some refuse, others will be found. The lost is not God's, but those who miss the party. So what can we learn from this passage here? I draw three lessons. Legalism stands in the way of true worship, looking out for the marginalized in society. Last-minute decision may not be timely. Legalism stands in the way of true worship. The law was given by God and to help and direct His people and all of us as well as believers to better conduct and live lives that will honor and worship God. It was given out of God's love for His people, not just the Jewish people but the Gentiles, for humanity, so that He would lead us through each day of our lives. It is given to us out of His love and His compassion for humanity. Therefore, the observance of the law must also be exercised with love and compassion. Legalism must not stand in the way of our true worship of God. Second, looking out for the marginalized. To serve only our loved ones, our friends, our close friends, our relatives is something expected of anybody, even non-believers anyway. But to be able to extend love, compassion, and hospitality to those who are marginalized in society, in our environment, the less fortunate, and for those who cannot repay us, is what would differentiate us, Christ followers, with the world of non-believers. The third lesson, last-minute decision may not be timely. One of my greatest challenges in sharing the gospel is with people who want to believe, but they do not want to make the decision now. They want to wait till the very last 
minute. Why? They say, let me live the way I want. And when my time in life is almost due, I will repent and give my life to Jesus. Now, this category of people presumably argue and reason in their mind that they, if they were to submit their life to Jesus at the very last minute, God will still bless them, God will still receive them, and they will still receive the salvation of God. Very true. It is true that God will receive anybody even at the very near end of one's life. But this trend of thoughts has two inherent problems. First, the longer a person chooses to refuse and invite to grace, the invite by Jesus, his heart or her heart will be hardened through time. And it will be more difficult for that person to be receptive to God's word and teachings. So the longer you procrastinate, your heart's will be hardened, just as the Pharisees who did not disagree with Jesus, but their hearts were hardened and they were blinded and they would not follow Jesus. Second, and more importantly, do we have a control of our time as to when we will die? Now, if you have such control, then this kind of thinking is not wrong and can even be encouraged. But alas, Unfortunately, none of us have control over when we'll die, when the end point of our life will be. So last-minute decision may not be timely after all. So let me conclude with this quotation from Dr. Darrell Bock. He says, The important question is not when we are invited, Not when we're invited to the table, to the banquet, but that we come when invited. The important question is not when we're invited to the table, but we come when invited. God graciously continues to call people to the banquet. If some refuse, others will be found. The loss is not God's, but those who miss the party. So don't miss the opportunity when God sends you an invite. Accept that grace, accept the invite, and continue to be faithful to live on until the final banquet to come so that you could attend with fellow brothers and sisters for the glory of God to the banquet that was prepared for us by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. My final question to you is, are you coming to the dinner? Let us pray. Lord, our hearts cried out to you, knowing that you gave us opportunity after opportunity, second chance after second chance. We pray that we will not miss that opportunity of coming to your grace, to your mercy. And therefore we ask, Lord, that you lead us even as your invite comes to each one of us, that we will not only accept, but remain faithful in his, your calling, in your walk, pathway of righteousness, all the way, until we are able to attend the final banquet prepared for us. We ask and give you thanks in Jesus' name.
Please stand with us.
as we remain standing, let us receive the Lord's blessing and benediction in faith. The vast majority of us have accepted the invite of our Lord Jesus, and we are working our way to attend the final banquet. But there is still some amongst us who are still wavering and thinking and considering and procrastinating the decision. Lord, we pray you hasten their hearts that they will not delay the decision accepting that invite, so that we can all jointly work towards attending that final banquet to come. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of our heavenly Father, the anointing and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with each one of us now until His glorious return. Amen.